Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. It is the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. And uh, now we talk to Eric Nadell. And uh, Eric, uh, I mean, the excitement right now in the, the crowd last night, I mean, you, you witnessed it even going back to 2010 and what that felt like in this new ballpark, the wall of sound, you're sitting there calling the game and all of that. But uh, what was the, uh, what was that atmosphere like? And did it, did it, did you think from a noise standpoint, from what you could tell, did it far exceed the old ballpark or what, what did it, what did it kind of feel like out there? You know, Mo, what it really felt like to me was the very first playoff game ever played in Arlington, uh, which was game three of the division series in 1996. That's really what it reminded me of in terms of a a fandom that was starved for a postseason game and for the first time was getting it in a relatively new stadium. You know, the, the ballpark in Arlington opened in 94, and it was 96 when we got the first playoff game as the Rangers won their division for the first time. And that was the loudest I think I had ever heard a baseball park until the moment when the Rangers clinched the pennant in 2010 mm-hmm. uh, on A-Rod strikeout against Neftali Feliz. Uh, last night, playing in a park with the roof closed, uh, I think it was even louder. And uh, obviously the roof has a lot to do with that. But the fans certainly did their part. They, uh, they showed up and they did it in a very audible way. It's, it's amazing what the team is doing right now. Do you buy into, you know, getting that, those two games out there? They didn't want to have to do that. They fly right past over their home stadium and go out there to Tampa. They take care of business there and then basically kind of wipe out the Orioles after the one close game. Um, I mean, it, it's almost kind of like the anger or whatever kind of came out of that Seattle uh, it, it just they they found something, and and then the hope is in these playoff series is okay. Can you keep it going? Because we all we know how quickly these things can change in baseball. But you having kind of observed and watched a lot of these things over the years, what did you what did you take? What do you think they that that did for this team when they had to play those additional games and didn't get it done like they wanted to against Seattle? I really don't know, Mo. This team has been so unpredictable (laughs) over the last couple of months. I don't know that you can logically say this happened or that happened because there's no explanation for the turn on and the turn off in the hot streaks of this team previously. Uh, You really don't know. Obviously, in hindsight, it was better for the Rangers to get to play those two days rather than sitting around. Um, You look at how some of the teams have struggled who had the buys, three of the four really, with the exception of the Astros, you know, have had more trouble than they were expected to have. Uh, Maybe it's better to keep playing. I don't know. In the case of the Rangers, I imagine it probably was just based on the results. You know, the Ranger offense producing the way that it produced earlier in the season, although it took a game. You know, they only scored three runs in the first game. I say only. They were facing the pitcher with the third-best ERA in the league. So scoring three runs against that Orioles staff that night, you know, wasn't anything to be ashamed of. But 
You know, I'm well past the point of trying to give explanations for why this team plays well on a given day or on a given week. What do you make of Max Scherzer today? He was set to throw a simulated type game, working his arm back in. I mean, I, you certainly would love to have him. You don't know exactly what state he's going to be in if he's able to, to go out there. You'd love to have him. You'd love to have Gray back in there. Where do, where do you sense Scherzer is, and and do you kind of do you really think this could could happen? I mean, he certainly seems excited, and and that he could be a part of this uh, ALCS. Where do you see this thing headed? Well, I fully expect he'll be on the roster for the ALCS if things go well today. You know, the Rangers don't have to set their roster until Sunday morning. I think. Mm-hmm. And based on how things go today and how he recovers in the next few days, the Rangers can make their decision. A lot is going to have to do with the actual stuff. You know, not just that he's able to throw pain free, but his stuff looks like it's going to get big league hitters out. You know, and it it pretty much looked like it the last time that uh, he threw to some hitters. So I'd be really surprised if today it's not even better. And if that's the case, um, I would be surprised if he's not the Ranger starter uh, in either game three or game four. Um, John Gray is another case. Uh, Gray, I noticed, said yesterday that he's not sure that you know his wrist will be at a point where he could ex- be expected to give the Rangers a lot of pitches. But he could certainly be a guy who could be very helpful as a one or two or three inning reliever. And, you know, that's something you might look forward to in the ALCS. Even if Gray doesn't come back as a starter, uh, he could come back as a power reliever. This is a guy who throws 96, 97 miles an hour with a wipeout slider. And I could see him being extremely effective as a reliever. So, you know, I would not rule out the possibility of Scherzer being a Game 3 starter and Gray being a reliever during the ALCS. And, you know, game four of the ALCS will be played next Thursday. So assuming Montgomery is going to pitch the opening game on Sunday, uh, he wouldn't have full rest on Thursday. So the Rangers would need somebody else to start game four. And, you know, if Scherzer was able to go in game three, I would imagine game four would be some combination of, you know, Dunning, Evaldi, Bradford, Perez. You know, that four-headed monster, depending on who they're playing and, you know, what the matchups look like against specific hitters for those four pitchers. You mentioned Baylor's own Cody Bradford. Well, wasn't that big Sunday that uh, he settled that game down a little bit when it was, what, 10-5? It was around 11-5, three and two-thirds innings. I mean, you don't in a regular season, you don't think much about that with a six-run lead. In the playoffs, everything's amplified, and that really felt like a clutch-type pitching performance knowing Baltimore was trying to climb back in there or how impressed were you with what uh, Bradford was able to do in that in that ball game I've been totally impressed by the kid all season long you know he's been a yo-yo going up and down and up and down and up and down gets a start gets a relief appearance gets a short relief appearance gets a long relief appearance and he just continues to perform well Um, he is so poised and so calm um, it's been a really, it's, it's a joy to watch. It's, you know, it's, it's especially a thrill for me because he's one of the guys I've talked to who has said, you know, I grew up listening to you. And, you know, for me to be able to call his games now 
and see the success that he's having, you know, as a relatively unheralded rookie on this team, you know, it, it's really satisfying. He's been tremendously valuable. All right, and, and Eric Nadell joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Mitch Garver in that three-hole, isn't that interesting? We just kept saying, okay, is he going to be in there? Okay, Grossman. It, it, it seemed more like in Bochi we trust kind of thing. Uh, he finally gets him in there, and then he just produces immediately with the Grand Slam, then comes home, c- continues to produce, just feels like Bochi punches all the right buttons, which we can't be surprised by, Eric, because he's going for his hopefully fourth World Series. But it, it is kind of amazing how he uh, he seems to just have a feel for these things and and Garver delivered in a huge way in that series. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the word for it, uh, Mo. He's got a feel for it. You know, it's sometimes it is instinct. Sometimes it is gut. You know, the manager himself, you know, told us when uh, the lineup was announced and Garver had replaced Grossman as the number three hitter for the first time, he was well aware of the fact that Grossman was the guy who hit a home run off Grayson Rodriguez back in May and that he was pulling Grossman from the lineup for Garver. But, you know, Garver's a high-velocity hitter and Grayson Rodriguez a high-velocity pitcher. And even more than that, though, you know, Bochy said, I have to get Garver in there. You know, it's it's a matter of dealing with human beings as well. This guy was an important part of the team for the whole season. Uh, he really picked the club up when Jonah Heim got hurt. Uh, he did a really good job batting in the three, four, five spot in the order. And, you know, he deserved to play. And Boach liked the idea of having the switch hitting Grossman, uh, hitting behind Corey Seager, so there wouldn't be two lefties in a row or two righties in a row as you got down to Adolis in the fourth spot. But the time came to give Garver a chance. And, again, Bochy's sense of timing is just something uncanny. It's just a, it's an innate skill that, I guess, has developed more fully over time. Corey Seager, when October hit, but he was, you know, he was unbelievable this season. Remember him with the Dodgers, what he was able to do there, World Series MVP. I mean, to end up with nine walks in a in a short series, right? The ALDS. I mean, just this whole postseason, um, his ability to either get the big hit or just get on base. He's got five walks in that one game. I mean, I, I just I just feel like he is just in that lineup. He he's the guy that everything kind of hinges on. And, of course, if you decide to walk him like you probably should do, then Garver's there to try to make you pay, as he did. But Seeger just seems to have just a huge sort of calming effect on the rest of this team in the lineup. It, it's, uh, it, I mean, I, I get we shouldn't be surprised because he's been great with another team. But, man, what he's done this year and into the postseason – it's uh, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, and you know you don't want to put too much of a load on one guy, but remember the Rangers didn't win their division largely because Corey Seager did not drive in a run on that final road trip. In seven games, he somehow managed to not drive in a run, and you know the Ranger offense didn't produce the way it had been producing. Uh, it was the first time all year Seager went through anything resembling a little slump. And as soon as he came out of it, here come the runs again. 
you know, not just from Corey, but from everybody else. You know, clearly he is the guy who by himself can, you know, be the catalyst to this team scoring a ton of runs, whether it's driving him in himself or getting the walks and being on base constantly. You know, the nine walks in a three-game series, that, that really is, that's Barry Bonds-type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually elevated his game this year to that level. When you look at 33 home runs, basically in three quarters of a season, and then when you apply the numbers to Globe Life Field, where he's been much better than he's been on the road, it's truly staggering what he's done. Um, he's played here, I think, 145 games now, including the playoff games he played with the Dodgers. He hit 54 home runs here in 145 games. It's, you know, it's absolutely, uh, you know, superstar-type numbers. Well, it's interesting to hear the Rangers now. Vegas has them favored to win the World Series. I mean, we didn't think that even like a week or a week and a half ago. Uh, do you find yourself wanting now the, the Astros series? Do you not really care either way? Um, and, and what do you think? I mean, if it's the Astros, when last seen, that, that one series, it looked like the season was over. As we remember, they wiped out the Rangers. The games were not competitive uh, obviously, this is a much different Rangers team, but that's a, uh, I mean, it's a very formidable ball club. What do you, as you kind of look ahead here, do you find yourself wanting that matchup that everybody's kind of coveting and wanting right now? I honestly don't care. Uh, <laughs> I think the fans want it. And if yeah. the fans want it, then I'm all for it. Um, I think the Rangers would have an easier time with Minnesota. Um, I just think the Astros' experience is such a big factor in series like that. And the memory of those three games is still a little too <laughs> fresh in my mind, those three games where the Astros scored double figures in each game. Um, but the fans seem to want the Ranger-Astros series, and if that's what they want, then, uh, then let's bring it on, and the intensity will be beyond anything that I think we've ever experienced for a baseball game here. The uh, Rangers-Yankees ALCS was awfully intense in 2010 when the Rangers were trying to get to the World Series for the first time. But I think a Ranger-Astro ALCS is going to outdo that. Well, Eric, it's been a pleasure to get to listen to you call postseason baseball. I know there were moments this year early you were wondering, hey, am I going to get this opportunity again and you boy you battled and you're right back in the middle of this thing so just know how much we love getting to listen to you uh on espn central texas as you call these games really appreciate you doing this today thanks well I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to do this you know i feel so blessed that i'm getting the opportunity you know i'm so thankful to my you know brilliant partners matt hicks and jared sandler for the fantastic job that they do that they did while i was out and that they continue to do it really is a joy to work with those two guys every day. All right. I, I complimented Jared on his uh, three-up and three-down rain, uh, rain, de- you know, rain delay theater, you know, coming up with things on the fly like that, okay? So we complimented your, your Trojan buddy, uh, Jared Sandler, for that, for that. You know, he's also responsible for uh, uncovering this whole Creed deal that's going on right now. <laughs> you know, in an interview that he had with Andrew Heaney, um, had it not been for that interview, this whole Creed sing-along thing might never have happened. Yeah, I, uh, I, I know your musical taste. I would think Creed probably didn't play a huge role 
in that, but uh, it's kind of like you were just talking about. If Rangers fans and if the Rangers players are excited about Creed, I bet you're excited about Creed. I am. I am. It was so cool last night to hear everybody singing, you know, see the lyrics <laughs> up on the giant video board and everybody having fun taking part. I think that's something that's going to grow and it's going to get bigger and more popular each game. Yeah, Chuck Morgan is Nashville roots, probably not known for Creed, but he's embraced it as well. <laughs> All right, great to visit with you. Thank you, Eric. Anytime, Mo. Thanks for having me. You bet. There he goes, Eric Nadell, the legendary voice of the Texas Rangers.